We are still in our No Baggage series, and I hope that you've gleaned from this. I hope that this has been helpful for you to be able to shed some baggage and to walk lighter in life. How many people know God wants us to walk light, wants us to walk, doesn't want life to have to be hard and difficult? Today, though, we're going to talk about two items that are probably the largest, the heaviest, the most crippling the most imposing pieces of baggage that anyone can try to carry. And I emphasize the word try because no one can carry the baggage, any extra baggage, but specifically the baggage that we're going to talk about today. No one can carry it without having your life horribly disfigured. This, um, this baggage is something that just um, tries to impact every single person tries to disfigure our lives, tries to steal our joy, tries to, to just uh, so just distort our life that there's no representation of Jesus Christ. And that's not God's plan for our life, is it? We know that God wants us to live an amazingly beautiful life. God's plan is for our lives to be blessed, is to be filled with his fruit, and, and just for his presence to be so full in us that it flows through us to, uh, to other people. I love this uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What good things God has prepared, what glorious things, what amazing things. Can anybody here today say, God has blessed my life more than I could have ever imagined? Anybody at all? Yeah. We've all, <laughs> we've all, Pastor Chris pointed to Lisa. Y'all stretch your hands for him, pray for him. He's not completely healed yet. Amen. So that's all right. So God wants us to have an amazingly, an amazingly beautiful life. And, uh, and we need to grab hold of that. You know, Hebrews chapter 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you, all right? If I was, had my Bible out there, I would just underline that word, equip you. God wants us fully equipped. He wants us to have everything we need to live the life, to live the lives that he's created us to live. May equip you with every good thing, right? Every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and, uh, glory and honor forever and forever. So God wants to do such good in us that when people see our lives, that they're impacted and that God is glorified. How many people want to live those kind of lives? Amen? All right, all right. I hope all of you at home raised your hand as well. Well, the first bag we want to look at today is the bag of fear, is the baggage of fear. Um, very specifically, when uh, I was going to speak this week, there were a couple of other things that were already stirring on my heart, and the Lord, I really felt directed uh, to these, uh, these two areas. And when fear came up, when I really felt this prompting to speak about fear, I said, God, you know, we've talked about this before. We've, uh, we've dealt with this before. Matter of fact, we have whole classes on overcoming fear and the Lord said, you know what, there are still people. The, enemy's, uh, the enemy uses fear as his number one tactic to impact his, uh, and to, to shape and influence people's lives. So today, I believe that we need to think again about our definition of fear. Through the years, we've defined fear as a prophetic spirit. 
And what this prophetic spirit tries to do is it tries to come and to give a negative view of your future so that you will make a fear-based decision instead of a faith-based decision. How many people know God only works by faith, right? And the enemy comes in and wants to say, I want you to, I want you to fear something that's going to happen, something that's not going to happen, something that's going on in your life, and it's going to have some bad end. And the, the, the enemy is always speaking these prophetic things to our lives, trying to get us to make a fear-based decision, but we're going to say no to those fear-based decisions, and we're going to operate in faith. I think one of the things in the time that we're living in today, in the season that we've just come through, especially with all that's gone on, with whether it's COVID things or election things or racial things or whatever the issue is, there's been a, a release, I believe, of a spirit of fear in our land that tries to get people from, to, to, to be afraid, to be afraid to act, to be afraid to say anything, to be afraid that I might do the wrong thing, I might say the wrong thing. There's been this, there's been this fear that's been trying to manifest in many, many different ways, and it's been unleashed in our world at a staggering level. We see so many people that are still being influenced by, even in our throne room service this morning, Pastor Corey was uh, addressing how that, that people have got into worry and it's worn people down and, and people have been so bound by fear than stress and anxiety. And, 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 and it's just trying to influence every person in our life. Now, we all know the slogan and you see it on the back of cars and all that kind of stuff says, no fear. But you know what? The truth is, everybody deals with fear. Every single person, if, you, if you're breathing, if you've ever breathed, then you're going to deal with fear, again, because it is one of the main things that the enemy uses to try to imp impact people's lives. You see, even Jesus dealt with fear. I think it's an amazing scripture in Luke chapter 22, when it says this, it says, Jesus... Um, and Jesus, in this scripture, in this setting, is going out into the garden to pray just before he goes to um, lay down his life for us. It says, and he withdrew from them at about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, an angel from heaven standing and strengthening him. You know, don't you love that? And no matter what difficulty we're going through, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what obstacle, what thing we're facing, that God never leaves us and God never leaves us with hopeless. He never leaves us helpless. He's always cares for every circumstance that we're going through. I don't want that just to be words in a sermon today. I want you to hear this from the Lord, that whatever you're going through this morning, Whatever thing has been trying to shape or, or redirect your life today, you're not hopeless and you're not helpless. God hasn't left you. God cares about you. Amen? And the scripture goes on and it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That, that word agony in the Greek, it's agonia, and it means great distress or great fear. It, it means extreme physical or mental suffering that goes on. And, and, and fear here, we see that Jesus was dealing, he was dealing with the fear, he was dealing with the, the things that were going to come before him. One writer says about this word agony, he says that the, this word, this fear is the trembling and the excitement and anxiety produced by fear or tension before a wrestling match or before a fight. 
Another commentary said this. It says, in the New Testament, this fear does not describe fear that draws back and runs from something, but it's the fear which trembles in the face of the issue, yet continues on to the end. You see, when fear tries to come against us, when fear presents itself, we always have an opportunity. We can yield to it. We can surrender our mind. We can surrender our emotions. We can surrender our hearts to it. We can can draw back from it, or we can press in and say, I know that there's fear that's here, but I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to act in courage and faith that God gives me in Jesus Christ. Amen? We've always got that choice. Hebrews chapter 2 puts it like this. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What did Jesus come and do during his death? What did he do? He destroyed the one who had, who had the influence of death. And what does it say? He delivers all those who the fear of death, all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. How many people know that the real fear, okay, and we've <laughs> mentioned this before, but it's, it's the fear is the fear of death. That's the greatest, uh, that's the greatest of, of fear of all. Um, sometimes people say, well, standing and public speaking is the greatest fear. I think um, that what people are afraid of, that while they're public speaking, they're going to die. You know, they're going to be so afraid they're going to die. Um, I particularly uh, have a couple of fears. One of my fears is uh, the, fears of, the fear of heights. I don't like to be up in, I don't mind being in a plane, but um, even in movies, if they look over the edge of a building, does anybody's knees start getting tingly and shaky, you know? It's not the fear of heights so much. What is it? It's the fear of the splat, right? It's the fear, <laughs> fear of falling and falling, you know? So it's the, the fear of death. But look, Jesus destroyed the power of the devil and its work in our lives. Fear is working to bring us into bondage. It's trying to have control of our lives. And fear wants to make slaves of each and every one of us. Fear seeks to torment us. You know, that word fear, it really does, it has the connotation of a snare or a trap. Uh, It it tries to bind us um, and it blinds us to the truth of what God's really saying. Anytime, Anytime fear tries to speak or tries to direct our lives, you can be assured that you're being lied to. It's trying to blind us from the truth. So how do we get rid of the baggage of fear? You ready? The first thing that we do is we admit the fear without any type of shame or embarrassment. I mean, sometimes we get embarrassed of the things that we're afraid of, okay? Or we get embarrassed by getting frightened, uh, the other day in our house, the, the, the grandkids were over, and um, I had gone to the, my room, and I was, or to my little study area, and I was working on some things, and I came out of the door, and uh, Jackson scared me, okay? And I mean, really scared me. It was like I was frightened and didn't want to go. And of course, he thought that was hilarious, right? We, we love. And I, in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, I really wasn't afraid. I was just, uh, I'm just playing. But you know, it was pretty obvious I was afraid. <laughs> Anybody ever been ashamed of the things that you're afraid of and worrying about things for the future, worrying, maybe uh, f- fearful that somebody might find out something? I mean, there's just endless possibilities of things that we could be afraid of. So we need to run to the Father. Look what Jesus did. He ran to the Father in prayer. 
Jesus came and he, he said to the Father, Father, I'm afraid, and if it's your will, why don't you take this thing from me? God, I'm coming to you in the midst of fear. Listen, fear is a great signal of alarm that we need to run to God. Instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to pretend that it doesn't exist, let's bring it into the light. The temptation's always to... Uh, I think for all of us, the temptation is to try to cover it, to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm, I'm not really afraid or I'm not really concerned. But we're pushing it down in our hearts. We're pushing it down in our minds. And what we're doing is we're covering it. We're ashamed of it. And can I tell you that when we begin to hide things, that hiding is the first degree of separation in any type of a relationship, whether it's with God whether it's with a, in, a, in a marriage situation, husbands and wives start hiding things from each other and hiding. I was um, in a, talking to someone recently about a situation and, and the, the husband had been hiding the fact that he had uh, been spending money and had, had not been uh, doing some good things with their finances and, and it, he didn't want the wife to find out, but it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, and you know what was happening? That relationship was growing further and further and further apart. When you were kids, do you remember you did something and you were afraid that you were going to get punished, afraid that you were going to get smacked? So what you do? You just hid it, okay? Anybody ever break anything of mom or dad's and just hide it? You know, just, I don't know. It had to be my brother. That's, that's all I can figure out. We begin to cover up and we begin to, um, we, begin to, we begin to put a bridge, a wedge in that relationship. So God doesn't want that. He wants us to uncover. He wants us to draw close. How, how would you treat your children? If they, were, um, if they were fearful and they were, what would you do? Would you, you know, talk to them about how bad they are? And you're not going to hurt them. You're going to draw them close. You're going to comfort them. You're going to love them. And, and a lot of times when there's something scary going on and, and they kind of get paralyzed in their tracks, has anybody ever been paralyzed in their tracks and you really not know which way to go? I can't go to the right. There's a problem there. I'm afraid if I go to the right. I'm afraid if I make this decision, if I make that decision. And we get stuck in our tracks. And you, can I tell you, what we do then is we run to our kids. We run to them. And that's what God does. He says, hey, I'll come and be where you are. So let's admit our fear. The second thing is not just admit it without feeling uh, any type of shame or embarrassment, but just give it to God. I mean, God, I want you to take this fear. I can't handle it in my own strength, so I'm going to give it to you. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't exist. I'm going to act in courage, and I'm going to say, God, in spite of what I feel, in spite of the fear that I, of the things that I see, of what might happen, of the speculations, I'm going to run to you, God, and I'm going to give you my fear. You see, great people feel fear, but great people act above the fear. The fear does not get to control them. So we come to God and we acknowledge to God all of our temptations, our struggles, our emotions, how we're feeling about things. Listen, is there anything we can really hide from God? <laughs> there really isn't. He sees it all and he still loves us. You see, all of these things take place in our lives. They just don't get to control our lives. They don't get to dictate who we are and what we do. So what we do is we run to God. We give God our fear. We put God, we put our trust in God in spite of anything else that we might think or anything that we might feel. I think back about 
in my own life, and I can tell you that the greatest regrets of my life have all been based on fear. And that's true for most people's lives. When we've acted in fear, when we've made fear-based decisions, instead, instead of acting in faith. This uh, last week, um, a student sent me a, uh, a questionnaire, and they had to fill out these 10 questions. They had to get 10 questions, uh, responses from different people to, to do this little project they were doing. And one of the questions on that questionnaire was, um, is there a time when you ever know, knew that you were out of the will of God? And, uh, and I thought, well, I hope, you know, there haven't been many of them. But then I began to think, and there were more than I thought I'd like to remember. And one of them, though, one of them had to do with a time when, um, or when really Yvette and our family, we were just in a very tight, pinched financial situation. And in that financial situation, there was this kind of a brooding fear and this uh, ongoing kind of um, accusation from the enemies, you'll never have enough. You're always going to struggle. Uh, there, there, there's always going to be more need than there is provision. Anybody else ever heard that, uh, those kind of words? Yeah, see, so Satan just doesn't lie to me. He lies to all of us, doesn't he? And, and it doesn't matter what age you're in. I've, I've talked with people recently, and they're so afraid about moving towards retirement and don't know how I'm going to make it and not enough uh, savings and not enough Social Security, not enough this and not enough that. And, and, and I can tell you that out of the basis of not believing that God was going to be faithful, I, I made some really foolish decisions some, and got and invested, uh, took money that we couldn't afford to lose and invested it in a get-rich-quick kind of scheme. And then the shame and the guilt, and, and, but it was that fear of not having enough, that fear that made those decisions that then had some, some long-term ramifications. So listen, we don't hide it. I wanted to hide that from Yvette. Oh, I was so embarrassed because she had told me not to do it in the first place, <laughs> right? But I, I convinced her. <laughs> Can I tell you that we, um, man, we don't want to listen to fear. And man, we want to take it and we want to run to God with it. The third thing we want to do when we're dealing with fear is we want to focus on God's presence and his love. I mean, just what we did this morning in worship, we want to run to the Lord. We, we, the, the enemy's always going to be trying to put big giants in our path and things that block, okay, kind of block our vision of God, things that try to keep us from seeing God for who he truly is. Man, there's, there's more bills, there's more work, there's not enough time, there's more conflict in a relationship, and so I might as well break the relationship and run from the relationship than try to save it because because there's, there's just not enough help. There's no hope. And listen, when we are in a situation where we feel helpless or hopeless, can I tell you, it's not God speaking into your life. So we're going to focus on the Lord. We're going to take our eyes off of anything else, and we're going to look to God. I'm telling you, when you're in a storm, I was thinking about the, this week, uh, when Yvette and I first moved to the uh, islands, we, uh, I had a little, just a little open boat and uh, to, had to go to the mainland one day. We had not been there long. It's about seven miles to the mainland. And, and coming back in this little open boat, it began to rain. 
And one of the things is the, the rain began to come down, and then the, um, the winds and the clouds and the, the waves were, were breaking over the, the boat and things like that. I began to give all of my attention to where's the wind blowing from, and, and is there lightning, and, is, and my whole focus was just on the clouds, on the storm, on the trouble. And can I tell you, fear filled my heart. Then all of a sudden I realized, I saw something in the distance. I realized, hey, I was way off course. So later, when I got back to the island, uh, I was talking to one of the men in the church about it. And actually, this guy had come out to try and and find me because I was lost out there. And he said, hey, one of the things you learn is when you're in a storm, you don't pay attention to the storm. You pay attention to the island. You pay attention to the land. You've got to keep your eye on the land or you're going to be, you could get going out in the storm. You could be circling around. You could be lost for a long time. And I'm saying today that what you and I need to do in the midst of fear, when fear is trying to rule our lives, we need to get our focus on God. Amen. We need to worship God for who he is. We need to look for, to God for who he is. We need to understand that God in his provision for our life has given us the ability to break the influence and the power of fear in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, we probably all might know this scripture, but it says, God, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God's given us, God has not given us a spirit of fear. What's that tell us? There's a spirit of fear, right? God's given us his spirit. He's given us the ability to have power to overcome anything that would try to come against us. He's given us the power of his love in us, the knowledge of his love that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he'll never forget us, he'll never take his eye off of us, and he'll be with us no matter what. So we are not going to give fear control of our lives. Amen? How many people know we can focus on God? We can do it through Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, this leads us to our second point, to our second baggage today. Baggage of unforgiveness. I think that there are a lot of people in our world today who continue to hold onto unforgiveness because they're afraid to forgive people. They're afraid that if I forgive somebody, they're going to be saying, well, what they did was okay, or what they said was okay, or how they acted was okay. Can I tell you, God wants the power of forgiveness to flow in our lives. Amen? You see, uh, the statistics say that the number one issue in the lives of people in general And in the lives of Christians, followers of Jesus Christ as well, is the issue of unforgiveness. One survey said that 94% of people believe that forgiveness is important, but only 45% of people practice it. Today, we know that in our world, in our society that we live in, that this is a hot topic that's going on between all different divisions of people. Shall we forgive the liberals or the conservatives? And how do we walk out forgiveness among races? And how do we, we walk out forgiveness just in every, virtually every sector and segment of our society? The goal, though, we must understand, is not to revise the past. The goal is to redeem the past through Jesus Christ. Amen? The, the goal is to walk in forgiveness. So we need to understand First and foremost, that God is serious about forgiveness. He knows how devastating unforgiveness is to people. 
And I wish we could get a hold of this this morning. Forgiveness, forgiveness will ruin, it will destroy, it will crush our lives. Why? Because people were not created to live in a state of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, living with unforgiveness in our hearts and our lives, it's a plan of the enemy to bring torture into your life. How many people know that the enemy is a terrorist? And what he wants to do is to take us captive, and he wants to torture us. He, he, he wants to make sure that unforgiveness is a part of every single person's life, and, and then it will take a heavy toll on every person. He wants us to be able to remember every hurt, every pain, every disappointment, every time that something's not been the way it should so that it can take a toll on us physically, I mean, it's staggering the statistics to see what unforgiveness will do physically to our bodies, emotionally, mentally, and of course, spiritually. It's torture, and this is the enemy's plan for every single person. You may remember the scripture in Matthew chapter 18, there's a parable that Jesus tells about an unjust servant. And he begins to describe the kingdom, and he's saying there's this unjust servant, and he owes this king some money, and the king, he goes to the king, and the king forgives him. But then there's somebody that owes him just a very little bit, and he will not forgive. And the scripture says this in Matthew 18, 35. It says, because this man didn't forgive, my heavenly father will also do to you, do if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That servant was cast out. He was put into jail. He was put into bondage. And what the scripture is saying here is, listen, my father knows how horrible unforgiveness is in our lives. So he wants us to, he wants to, to emphasize to each and every one of us not to let unforgiveness have any part in our life because of the destruction that it will bring. It'll destroy, we said it earlier, it'll destroy relationships. Unforgiveness unforgiveness, and I want to emphasize this again, I believe today, this is a word from the Lord for, for, for people, unforgiveness is poison to any relationship. It's poison. If your child has done something that's disappointed you or hurt you or, or been an offense to you and you hold a, a judgment of unforgiveness in your heart against them, you're poisoning your influence. Parents, you're poisoning your influence in the life of that child. You hear that this morning? You're poisoning that. Husbands and wives, man, we want to have a great marriage, but you're holding on to something that's of the past, some failure, some disappointment. It's poisoning the hope for an amazing, beautiful relationship. Ephesians puts it like this in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, be angry and do not sin. What do we hear there? Be angry, okay? God created us with anger as an emotion in our lives. It's okay to be angry. As a matter of fact, there's sometimes we need to be angry about some things. Amen? I'm telling you, we need to be angry about, and I could go on a whole list of things starting with abortion and going on right down the line that we should be angry and upset about. But listen to what the scripture says. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So we should be angry about some things, but we're not going to sin. And what sin is, we're, we're, we're turning from God to our own ways. We're, we're actually giving a place, giving place for the enemy. We're opening the door for the enemy to come in and to influence our lives when we choose to sin. 
So he says, we're not going to let forgiveness grow into wrath. We're not, we're not going to take on and we're not going to hold on to something that's not the truth of God, that's not the plan and purpose of God. And it's going to bring, if we do, it'll bring destruction into our lives. We can't operate in the character of Jesus Christ when we allow anger and unforgiveness and bitter and all the, bitterness and all these things operate in our lives. So the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. We've said in the past, you know what we're going to do? We're going to put a time limit on anger. We're, we're going to say, okay, it, it happened. I, somebody did something. My husband, my wife, my, my, my parents did something that's hurt me. It's offended me. It's caused me to be angry. But I'm not going to hold on to it forever. I'm only going to give it a short time to operate in my life. Because if we let it remain then you know what will happen? We've opened the door to the enemy and the enemy will step in and he'll start becoming our counselor, okay? And, and he'll start whispering in our ear. And I've heard it said that when we go to bed angry that we're, we're opening, we're up all night letting the enemy counsel us. I thought about this this morning. You know, the Bible describes Jesus as wonderful counselor. What's that tell us? Then it tells us there's somebody that's not a wonderful counselor. He's a horrible counselor. He's a lying counselor. He's a deceiving counselor. And what he wants to do is he wants to have access to your heart, to your mind, to your emotions. He wants to tell you that that person that's disappointed you, that's laying on the other side of the bed, they don't deserve you. And, and if they really loved you and if they really cared about you, and they're, man, you deserve better and you should just go find somebody else. Can I tell you, that's not the counsel of God. That's the counsel of the enemy. So we give anger a time limit. Amen? Amen. And how many people have done that? Anybody ever done that? Man, something happened at work and you think about it all day, all night long, right? Somebody, man, I mean, there's been times in my life where anger and unforgiveness and insecurity was so rampant in my life. I can remember being angry the next day at somebody that I didn't know because how they treated me by driving down the road. Anybody ever just been mad at somebody for how they drive, right? I mean, really? Man, we're just not going to let these things have that kind of power in our life. Amen? So let me, let me use just some phrases. You've probably heard them before, but to describe the baggage of unforgiveness. One is that forgiveness is one of the most self-loving things you can do for yourself. Okay? Forgiveness isn't something you do for somebody else. It's something you do for you. Okay? Forgiveness is for your benefit. Forgive, the, the poison of unforgiveness damaged the vessel it's in more than anything you can spit it on. Okay? Sometimes we think if I hold on to it, if I see, if I, if I get angry enough, then I can spew out something on somebody and it's going to hurt somebody. Who's it really hurt? It really hurts us, doesn't it? Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Yeah, that's truth, isn't it? You see, forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just makes you free. Okay, it makes you free, and God wants us free, and God, I believe today, wants you free. Forgiveness does not release others, it releases you. 
Uh, I heard, saw a picture one time of, a, of an animal that had been staked to a six-foot chain, chain, and they could only roam in this certain area. And uh, then there was a fire in this animal. They came and let the animal go. They unhooked the shackle, but they had been so trained that they still stayed in just that little radius and died. And, and that's what the enemy wants. He wants to stake us to a place that limits us from being and becoming everything that God wants us to be. That's not God's plan. God's plan for your life and God's plan for my life is one for absolute freedom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how do we get rid of the baggage of unforgiveness? One, I think, is to start by remembering how very much we've been forgiven. How very much we've been forgiven. You see, sometimes we tend, as we go on in life, to minimize our sins, to minimize our offenses. If you've ever committed any sin... You're worthy. Your sin was worthy of death in the eyes of God. Our sin is not a small thing. And listen, okay, I know we live in a day where we focus and emphasize grace, and I am so thankful for it. But can I tell you, God doesn't take sin lightly. He took it so seriously that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sin and for your sin. So we remember how much we've been forgiven. And I believe as we give God thanks for the great forgiveness that he's given us, it changes our perspective. So the first step, this first step of thanking God makes it easier than to choose to forgive anyone and everyone who has hurt you. We don't just say the words, okay? I mean, we do it with our kids all the time, right? They get in a little squabble and they fight and hit each other and right all that, and uh, they get mad and stuff. And then what do we do? We make them say, sorry, right? I have to emphasize, they don't, sorry, sorry. No, it's not sorry, sorry, it's I'm sorry. But you know what we can't make them do? We can't make them say, we can't make them be sorry, repent, and forgive from the heart. The Bible says here that we forgive somebody from the heart. We make a decision It says, we know we can't control everything that happens, but we choose not to be victims through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? We we choose to say, I'm not going to let it bind me and control my life. I, I specifically believe that there are people that are hearing this today, that you're still being controlled by things that have taken place in your past by people who are not even living any longer that they're still influencing the way you think. They're still influencing decisions that you make. And I'm telling you that it's time to set yourself free by choosing to forgive them in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So um, forgiveness is not an option. We need it, and it's a primary mark of every Christian. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, we we are going to be people who walk and live in forgiveness. Remember the example that Jesus set before us? The time when he's hanging on a cross. I look at this, I think about this often. When he's hanging on the cross, he looks at those who had just placed him on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. Do we walk in a heart and spirit of forgiveness? The second thing, we release the baggage of judgment and vengeance to God. A lot of times we hold on to forgiveness because we say, you know what, maybe an opportunity will come up when I can really get them back. Maybe an opportunity will come up when I don't want to forgive them because maybe an opportunity will come back when they're in a weak point and I can hurt them like they've hurt me. So we refuse to carry anything in our lives but the presence of God. 
God, I'm not going to give vengeance. I'm not going to give judgment. I'm not going to give anything, any room in my life except for your presence. Amen? How many people say amen to that today? That's going to be my statement. Okay? I'm going to put faith, my faith and my trust in God. And finally, we're going to refuse to give anyone any control of our lives except Jesus. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to reveal any area of unforgiveness in our lives. We're going to ask him then We're going to, to, uh, to give us the strength. Sometimes we, we just emotionally, mentally, we become so wrapped up, so bound in unforgiveness, we don't have the ability to do it ourselves. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to ask him to do that today. Amen? Just say, Holy Spirit, would you just show me right now? Is there anything of fear, anything of unforgiveness that's operating in my life? Look, uh, the pain was real. The abuse was real. The disappointment, the hurt, the lie, the rejection, it was real. But it doesn't get to control you. Your anger for a moment was appropriate, but the unforgiveness that you're carrying in your life today, it's only keeping you a prisoner. And today, God wants to set you free. So just say, Holy Spirit, show me. Is there any place? Is there any place of unforgiveness in my life today? And right now, as you... Just listen to the Holy Spirit. I just, just ask, say, Holy Spirit, maybe, maybe you've done it before. Maybe you've asked the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've, I mean, maybe you've said, I'm going to forgive that person, but it keeps coming back up. It keeps coming back up. Okay, it keeps something that, 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 that you have to deal with. And, and now's the time to say, Holy Spirit. Why don't you just pray this? Just say, Holy Spirit, I ask you now, give me your spirit to be able to truly forgive from the heart. God, I ask you to set me free from any influence or control that unforgiveness has had in my life. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that. God, we don't want to live one more day, God, with the influence of fear or unforgiveness in our lives. And so we take authority over it in the name of Jesus. We realize that Jesus, in your finished work of overcoming the enemy, of destroying all the works of the devil, God, Jesus, that we don't have to walk and live in fear, so this very minute we choose. We choose to live in the fullness of your love, your grace, your, your presence, your protection, oh God. Right now, right now, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We choose to forgive just as we've been forgiven. I forgive that person. And if you know who it is, just say, I forgive them. Call their name. Just, just God, somebody that's present, somebody, maybe it's, uh, I, I, lots of people talk about how the church <laughs> has hurt them as, People have got unforgiveness. I, I forgive the church. I forgive that company that I worked for. I forgive that man. I forgive that woman. I forgive that parent. I forgive them now, God. I forgive them right now. And God, I receive your forgiveness in my life. I rejoice in the love and in the joy and the peace and the freedom, God, that you give me. 
as your son or your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen.